0: Welcome everybody to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. We're back again with another episode of Sideboob Cinema. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Astro and as always, AJ. How are you guys doing today? Hey AJ.
1: I'm pumped. I'm really <laughs> pumped. pumped. I'm fucking real,
2: eager.
1: <laughs> you are, aren't you? I really am.
2: Really excited. We're getting texts last night.
1: Oh, it's my time to shine, baby. Where we're doing oh, I
2: I, f- I feel like it's just been tuning up every week and this yeah. is the symphony tonight
1: you know yeah i'm excited
0: so, excellent yeah. well before we get into uh, our two uh we're doing a double header a, a double feature tonight so before we get into those i just wanted to give you a little bit of a shout out to a few to a few people uh in particular uh, a couple of people who left really uh generous reviews on apple podcasts uh the first one to jack and anda who said, uh, 80s film talk, you can't go wrong, five stars. It's great to hear people talk 80s films, even the ones that have fallen out of modern favour. This podcast is easy listening and great to relive the movies of my youth. Keep it coming. So thanks to Jack and uh, Ander. Also, we received a uh, review from MEP1992, who said, wanted to stab myself in the ears, one star a great example of why not every bunch of mates who think they're funny should start a podcast. And uh, MEP1992 should know a thing or two about podcasts because she's the producer for a now famous Mamma Mia podcast. So thank you, MEP1992. We'll endeavour to do better.
1: <laughs> I like it. It was punchy. It was succinct. It was great. Uh, yeah, but at least
2: they've acknowledged that we're mates. Yeah,
1: you know, that's true.
2: They've said you're mates. um, You know that obviously this we've got a strong sound, obviously because it's you know it's made. made, It's piercing. It's piercing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Sheila's told us we're not allowed to talk about this. Okay, on this podcast. (laughs) So you tune in on Thursday. That's for if you for a full fucking rundown of that little. uh, Episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, oh, I can't wait.
2: anyway, the point is, it's good to get good. It's good to get reviews and um, uh, lets us know you're listening. And but we really do appreciate uh, that people are listening. And I feel like we're sure, sure. the army is growing. You know. Yes. Well, I'd love to give another quick shout out to a
0: few people on the socials. We had beer and B bee movies. Thanks so much for your support. Aesthetic exploitation, as always. You're one of our number one fans. We love what you do. Uh, also, Night of the Living Heg. Thanks so much for checking out uh, Sideboob Cinema. And also, we'd like to say hi to all of our fans in Russia. Who thought uh, we'd ever have fans in Russia? But they seem to love some of our social media content, particularly those uh, involving macho men. So, thanks for your support. Das Vidanya. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Val Kilmer has a, a, a documentary coming out. Uh, it doesn't hit the streaming services, I don't think, for another couple of days. It has been uh, showing at cinemas worldwide. So uh, in, I guess, in preparation and celebration of Val Kilmer's career, we thought we would uh, have a look at a few of his early feature films from the 1980s, starting with Real
2: Genius.
1: Is he still fat?
2: No, he's gone the other way,
0: unfortunately. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Well, we should talk about Val, maybe. Like, firstly, I think maybe we should probably watch that film when it comes out. I think, mm. and, I think and maybe just yeah, yeah, yeah. Check, check it out. Um, just as a as a bonus. Uh, but yeah, maybe we should talk about Val Kilmer because, you know, um, we picked two films. Um, what what are we what, what are our recollections and our impressions of, of Val Kilmer? Oh, he's he's Mad Morrigan for me. Mad Morgan. Yes, from... I was going to correct you yesterday when you got it wrong, but I thought you would have looked it up between now and then <laughs> and the show. That didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. So that now too,
0: too, too busy <laughs> researching some of our uh, reviews.
2: Yeah, yeah, too busy looking up fucking M, what's-her-face. <laughs> and when you should have been Sleuth. researching who the who the uh, lead character of uh, Willow was, anyway. But he's that for you. Anything else? That's, that's the... Oh, mo- the, 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 the Jim Morrison,
0: of course. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, I think, I think he, he now is Jim Morrison. I mean, I think of Jim Morrison in my, and I picture him in my mind. Like I picture Val Kilmer. I don't picture Jim. So um, and I guess that's a little bit of a product of, of there not being as much footage available of, of Jim Morrison maybe or, or, or not when I got into the Doors. I'm sure there's a lot more now on YouTube. But when I, when I got into the music and saw the documentary, uh, back in, I probably saw it in the late nineties. There wasn't as much out there to see of, of Jim's work, so Val became Jim. The you know his face became Jim. So um, I think I'm a I'm a bit of a fan of, of Kilmer's work. I think um, I think he's I think he's a great actor. I also, yeah, I've got I've, I've got some questions. Like I, I don't know, his career seemed to have sort of petered out after. After the Doors movie, you know, I I feel like I feel like he 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 could have become a bit more of a prestige guy, you know. I, I I'm surprised he didn't go on to do a few more. I, I don't know d- deeper, prestigious, dramatic movies. I don't know. What do you What do you think?
2: Well, AJ, what do you? What are your impressions of?
1: Uh, I think he's a bit kind of alien-like. I think he'd be a weird guy to me. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You wouldn't want to
2: get stuck with him at a party, is that what you're saying?
1: No, not really. Um, He's a good actor. He is a good actor. But I think, yeah, somewhat alien.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, under your question, uh, Ricky, I feel like the popular narrative for his career seems to be that he was a young and exciting, you know, handsome you know, rather Aryan figure. Um, you know, mm. sort of in that James Dean, that intense James Dean mold. Uh, and then, you know, rather quickly, he had the goods that Hollywood wanted. You know, and he's gone in Top Gun and a range of other commercial pictures. And then in the nineties, uh, I think it's it's ramped up, and he's he's gone in, um, yeah, The Doors. And I think the world was at his feet around about then. Uh, whether that that film is is, I mean, you and I love it, but. Uh, I think that it's got mixed mm. reputation.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, and um, then after that we had Batman Forever, mm. and then really it's just you know I think the Saint for me is probably the zenith of his his sort of popular fame, and he never really he didn't it. It's unfortunate to say, but you feel like it's it it, it, it there's some sort of squandered quality. You know what I mean? Like he's got he's got. All this potential, but he never really managed to channel it in the way that Daniel Day Lewis has, or that mm-hmm. you know anyone who's just met, met the moment, like whoever who who, or, or even someone like someone like Brad Pitt has worked with some of the best directors of all mm-hmm. time. You know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter what you think of him; He's still channeled himself into into some like iconic roles, like Fight Club and whatnot. Uh, whereas Val, he's he's a mercurial figure, and I think that's maybe perhaps why we're also attracted to him is because he seems. He seems to have that 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 thing that that other you know actors like Brando and that have, which is this sort of irritation with themselves and the mm. industry at large, perhaps. Mm. So yeah, no, he's he's definitely a an interesting figure, and that's why we, I think we we looked delving into him today with these two early films. Because I remember, uh, I, Ricky, you said you hadn't seen any of his early work, really.
1: Neither had I. AJ,
2: you no first time.
0: Yes yeah, same for me, um, yeah, it was quite um I know we're going to talk about top secret a little bit later in the podcast, but um yeah to see him in 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 a
2: in a sort of a broad comedy like that um, quite surprised me, yeah, well, I guess maybe we' have we haven't really mentioned because I don't know if everyone knows, but the, the, without doing before I'd done any research on him for this podcast um my impression from you know, even a time before the, the internet, really, when when it was just word of mouth and you know the whisper network of the world, it, it, we got the sense, the general thought was that he was difficult. Mm. Is that he was a prick? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, and that he was he had bad behavior on set, and um that maybe the doors totally went to his head, and and you know his method and. And so, you know, that is that that is sort of hanging over all of this, mm. is this idea that, you know, and you just know he wouldn't agree with any of this. He'd just be like, you're saying, when you mean I was difficult? And you say, well, the fact that you're saying that means you're difficult. You know what, <laughs> what I mean?
0: <laughs> but but other, other actors, you know, for instance, uh, Jim Carrey uh, comes to mind uh, as, as difficult method actors. Uh, Christian Bale, he had that famous blow up when he went off at some
2: lighting guy. You're a set. nice guy. <laughs> You're a nice guy. (laughs) That's one of my favourite videos of all time. I like that better than any Oscar winner of the last 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: was intense.
1: But but
2: those guys are still working. Yeah. Well, I guess so. And then, obviously, you know, I I, read read this New York Times profile on him. That was – we we can't talk about it now. It's too heavy. (laughs) It's too much. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, he's hit on rough times. I learned some stuff about him I didn't know. He's a Christian scientist. Yeah, I knew that. And then I looked this up, and like the main thing is that they don't believe in medicine pretty Mm. much. They believe, you know, and that's not um, that special in religion. But at the same time, it is a big deal when you get throat cancer. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: You know, so Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of.
1: So he lost fat. He's lost weight the old-fashioned way.
2: Cancer, not without drugs. No, because
1: you, you know how he's fat.
2: Um, he well, he, so he wasn't
1: he, he didn't take drugs.
2: No, he didn't. <laughs> that
1: was the
2: joke. <laughs> he did, no, he didn't take drugs. He lost it through cancer. Aww,
1: <laughs> boring. <Right. And>
2: so <laughs> anyway, he looks a horror show. And I mean that, and and I love him. You know. Mm. So you can't
1: say horror show. <laughs> why not? Why not?
2: You know. Um, I know it's not his fault. Like, but he d-
1: has started.
2: No, it's not his fault. But like, he's got like the picture is. He's wearing. He's wearing. No, you know what it is because he's got my mad outfit. He's got sil- like a really leery silken like country style shirt on. Happy pants. It looks crazy. <laughs> well, you know
0: he's he's been through a really rough time physically with his health. So so the guy deserves to. To, to be prioritising comfort over looks. So if the silken shirt makes him feel good, then
2: I say go for it.
1: Like me and my hoodie.
2: Have
0: you got an hoodie?
1: <laughs> you know it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, look, that's modern Val. We've gone back like, you know, I, we wish Val all the best with his health and his, and his Christian science endeavours. Uh, but... I think we should pivot onto uh, the beginning of his career. And I think we should start with uh, real genius. Any problems done, just as long as we
3: have a working weapon by the end of June. I haven't had a working weapon since Korea. (laughs) When the military runs short on brains, they go hunting at Pacific Tech, an exclusive institution for outstanding intellects, where the superstar of smarts is Chris Knight. You have a jacuzzi? Absolutely. His hobbies violate the laws of gravity. What are you doing out there? Floating, sir. His homework could win a Nobel Prize. He's one of the ten finest minds in the country. And his IQ... ...is higher than most people can count. I can't stand it. Have you ever seen a body like this before in your life? She happens to be my daughter. Oh, well, then I guess you have. But when Chris makes the scientific discovery of the century did it. His classmates want the credit. You're not number one around here anymore. His professor wants the publicity. I. That's it. And the military wants to use his discovery as the ultimate weapon. This is not good. So Chris is about to turn getting even into a science. Doors. They should never try to outsmart. Oh, to a real genius. It's no longer lacing efficiently, it's not shutting down. Shutting down. Ha! Ha, 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 ha. Real genius. Number one is a
2: heart in the making. So, Real Genius is a 80s comedy and it is uh, two of the writers. I think this gives you a great background of the film, you know. It's directed by Martha Coolidge, who will who, we'll get on, very slickly Slickly directed by Martha Coolidge. And it, two of the writers, Neil Israel and Pat professor we've encountered before on this podcast. So Neil Israel and Pat Prof, two of the three writers, um, you know, Neil Israel worked on Police Academy, One of my favourites, Moving Violations, which hopefully we will do eventually. And Bachelor Party, Pat Proft has worked on Police Academy, Naked Gun, Hot Shots, High School High and all the sequels. (laughs) Of (laughs) all (laughs) those films. AJ loves it already. So the film, this film Real Genius is about a 15-year-old prodigy called Mitch. He's headhunted by Jerry Hathaway, an ambitious professor and cable TV host to attend a prestigious college program for the gifted. Is also assigned to work on the Professor's Pet Project, which is a top-secret space laser. Mitch's roommate and lab partner is fellow genius Chris Knight, a goofball senior, uh, on the eve of graduation. Chris uh Val-Kilmer teaches Mitch, the young Mitch, to loosen up, and Mitch teaches Chris to knuckle down, and they team up to complete Jerry's laser project for, you know, I think it's for the CIA and the military and some uh, other shadowy figures. The success is short-lived after they create, this, uh, they, they, they create this laser because they discover that the feds and the military have already snapped up the project and are planning a test firing in the desert. Mitch, Chris, and the other brains work together to foil the plan and redirect the laser at Jerry's prized possession, his brand new home, which they, they make explode with popcorn, a food that Jerry is known to hate. Chris graduates and Mitch gets the girl credits.
0: <laughs> <laughs> credits roll as uh the neighborhood play in the popcorn to yes. the music of everybody wants to rule the world these are fierce. that's yeah. right great that's ending right. it was yeah very satisfying
2: so first thoughts of real genius because i mean again i you guys hadn't seen it so what, what did you make of it hello
1: You go all back, fucking
2: hell! Come on, AJ. What are we doing a podcast here? I
1: really really liked it. I unsuspectingly liked it. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought the um, main geek guy was good.
0: Yeah, I feel like, um, well, first of all, you know, I think it's a celebration of the anxious wonder of growing up in middle class America in the 1980s. Um, The dormitory hijinks feels like uh, like, like a genuine release of teenage tensions. And I think it also paints a picture of a time when going to university was actually hard and not everyone was cut out for it, not like in 2021 where students are customers and universities are businesses. Um, So there were scenes later on. I know there's a lot of goofing off in this movie and a lot of the geniuses are fucking around, but when it comes to studying for their exams and some of them are like, Losing their fucking mind and running out of the library like screaming, screaming, <laughs> losing their shit. You know, it shows that uh, people actually used to study back then, and you
2: know, used to have to work hard for a degree. You know, well, well, that's the most interesting thing about the film is that it is set. It, 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 what's it, what makes it unique is that you know it's not we're not just sort of across a, a, a we don't get into cross section of in, of of everyone at the at the campus we only get the, it's very focused on these geniuses mm. and and what we what's really nice is that even within the, the 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 subculture of of super brains you know we still have the bully we still have you know the mm. geeky the geekiest geeks we still have the more mainstream geeks we still have you know, um, I think that really is what sets this apart, you know, because all the other stuff we've watched, well, the stuff we have watched that's set at colleges and stuff, it really is just, you know, a grab bag of they're doing all sorts of courses and, and whatever. This is so focused. And I think that really set it. This does what we want film to do. What we uh, is that we want it to take us to interesting worlds, new worlds that we don't know. And that's what this is. It's like you look under a rock and it's this world where, yeah, we where, um, this this arrogant professor is, is exploiting these these geniuses to create a work that he's selling to the government, yep. you know, for his own gain. I mean, that's that's so interesting. And you know what that
0: that happens at universities. You have uh, senior lecturers, senior researchers that take all the credit for research that's done mostly by mostly by students. You know, and some some of the generous. Uh, Head academics will credit students that have worked on it, but there are loads that don't that take all the credit for themselves. You know, so it is pretty accurate
2: in that regard. Yeah, well, it's a very charming film. That's the word I
0: think. Yeah, it's it char- was really fun. Yeah, I had
1: a, I had a good time.
2: Charming mm. about a serious topic. You know, I think, and I think that that is the interesting thing. I think, as you say, Ricky, it's about the exploitation of applied research. You know, mm. for sort of, yeah, uh, almost but, geopolitical gain. Yeah, but um, I think also.
0: Like you said in the synopsis, it's you know Chris teaches um, the other guy to uh, teaches Mitch to uh, loosen up a little bit, and Mitch teaches Chris to knuckle down a bit. You know, which is I think that's the, maybe that's the core of the message. You know, yeah, it's
2: about balance. You know, it's yeah. a, that that's what it is. It's about um, I think Chris says it at one at one point when he arrived, he was. You know, super focused. He was all science and no philosophy. And so, so you know, although we, you know, you can go a little bit heavy, but at the same time, this film is about something that's very important. You know, the the, the spectre hanging over this film, if you if you you know just even watched a his, his like a History Channel documentary, is that you know one of the create one of the creators of um, involved in the atomic tests and whatnot, uh, Oppenheimer. He you know, when he witnessed the first detonation of the nuclear weapon, you know, on, uh, in 1945, he recalled a very famous Hindu scripture. And he said, you know, I think it comes from the Bhagavad Gita. He looked at that, that explosion and he said, now I'm become death, the destroyer of worlds. And the idea of that is he knows that he's been involved. At that moment, he knows that he's been involved in something terrible, you know what I mean? And mm. so we've got this very charming film about something that is, you know, actually quite serious, which is um, the idea of of you know bringing bringing philosophy to to science and not just you know these the, the 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 dilemma facing um Mitch and Chris and others in the film is you know we are we are you know these incredible minds and is there any do we have any obligation to to think about what our what our tools uh what what our products are going to be used for now i think that that Doesn't that sort of make you think about? I mean, here's a question for you: How is anything that you know? How is the behavior that we've seen in this movie, particularly of of, of Jerry, which I want to talk about later, like? um, Is this this is almost Silicon Valley stuff, isn't it? Mm. Now, you know, like aren't they creating now? It would be apps, or it would be, you know. Well, well,
0: I think it's closer to home. Like, um, I think the recent COVID. Stuff that's been going on like that's that's very much science without philosophy because a lot of the choices we're making for for lockdowns and 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 how we put these arbitrary restrictions on on people um, are done without any deeper philosophical engagement or uh, or inquiry because a lot of these questions are are, are more f- philosophical like you know what's an appropriate age to die um, you know what what um, what are we willing to to give up to save a, 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 an older generation you know are, are we willing to perhaps suspend young people's lives or even take away from from young people and their opportunities to to make sure that 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 older people, um, are, are, are cared for, you know. Uh, these are more philosophical questions, and I think I think science um, science shouldn't be devoid from these sorts of questions because you might create something, you might make something horrendous, you know, something that that could affect the world in really negative ways. You know, well,
2: actually, that's what that last season of Silicon Valley, the series HBO series, was about. Um, you know, they decided to really pump that up that idea yeah. of, you know, of taking responsibility for the things you've created, you know, because mm-hmm. nowadays it's not a space laser we're worried about, although that I'm sure is being made. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're more worried about the privacy and, you know. Like TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever. That's
1: right, yeah.
2: So, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Those those big questions do well, come I've,
0: up. Well, I've, I've actually got some scientific stuff I can talk about here. The, the, the laser in the film is uh, cl- closer to... Uh, being based on actual science than you might think, okay. oh. so, which, is, uh, which is interesting. The laser, so the solid xenon halogen laser proposed and built by Chris in the later half of the film. Um, it's in the realm of science fiction in the film, but it was based on a, a theory of the time. So uh, re- the real genius consultant, so they had a guy, a scientist that they consulted for the film, Martin A. Gunderson, uh, later cited the movie in an academic publication that detailed the scientific basis behind the laser. So, although uh, some aspects of it um, are as yet unattainable, um, it is
2: based on on actual laser theory. So. Well, I think it also is reflective of of what was, you know, that like we're talking about this was Reagan era, this was the beginning of that that whole you know Star Wars era yeah. of, of yeah. you know trying to get into space before the Russians and this idea that whoever was going to be able to get there first was was you know going to be able to create um warfare from the skies or from yeah. space. Mm. So that is definitely one of the um one of the concerns of this film, you know, which is which is so interesting, you know. I think that um you know, pulling back a sec, I feel like, um, uh, you know, as I said, it's charming, um, it's got hijinks and villains. I-, I think that a couple of things. I think Martha Coolidge has done a beautiful job directing this film. Like, I think this is like, it's a beautiful looking film for starters as well. It's it's actually one of the greatest cinematographers of all time has, has you know, put these images. The reason... And it would have looked terrible on VHS, by the way, because it would have been um, it, the movie was shot in two point three five to one, like the widest widescreen. I love comedies, epic comedies, comedies that say, like, there's no reason really for this interior movie to be to be shot with a with a the type of uh, screen ratio that you would see on, like, Lawrence of Arabia. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no <name. laughs> You know, but a couple of comedies do do it and and I always like it when they do because it's, it shows that they're saying we're going to do ambitious big comedy, you know. Mm. And so the DOP is, um, he did uh, Deliverance, Deer Hunter, Blowout, Close Encounters. So some of the biggest movies of all time and some of the greatest images of all time, you know, that are burned into our brain. It's sort of like bring, bringing a laser to a knife fight you know so been, but, but Martha Coolidge I I love the, the this the, you know the the subtlety of this movie like Martha Coolidge has um, the opening sequence is really great you know it's this. It shows in images this journey from uh, like what begins as cave paintings of of our most primitive weapons, like bow and arrow, and sort of fading mm-hmm. through these books up up through the ages to show weapons and weapons and weapons, and over the ironic music of "um, you took advantage of me," you know, yeah. Which is such a which which is you know on one level you could say obvious, but not really. Like like it's all it's actually quite subtle. Like in comparison to nowadays, like mm-hmm. nowadays it would be. You know, just slapstick, whatever. Like, uh, but mm. I I only a question, like you know, because I think this movie is beautifully directed. It's, it's charm is a very hard thing to sell. But also, is it just me or is this kind of slow burn dead? Like slow burn comedies, like dead. Do you know what I mean? This sort of deadpan stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like I feel like. It, do you know what I mean by that? What What were you asking that they don't exist anymore? Is yeah, well, I don't feel like this this sort of comedy. In this movie, because we see it in the, in the like, in, you know who the writers are. You know they've done Police Academy. You know they've done all these sorts of things. I mean, you know, Naked Gun's different in that. But <laughs> still, the roots of this movie, it's got that yeah. Ghostbusters sort mm. of, yeah, like, yeah. you know, a- ambition, that idea of letting jokes breathe and, you know, and that's another two-three-five race screen ratio movie where, you know, you, you have visual gags and you let things play out you're not just cut 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 and having you know those SNL actresses just talking over each other about you know i don't know their vaginas or something <laughs> and you know, you know what i mean which which is funny like you know but but it just is sort of like it just lacks there's a there's a there's a pacing to these older yeah, films yeah, that yeah. i yeah. feel is you know and maybe we're all fucked maybe it's because of you know all the technology MTV the internet and whatever that has turned mm. us all into Now we can only watch, I can only watch 15 second like TikTok videos. Even then, you're like too long, you know? Mm. So, yeah. yeah. There's something about the pacing of this and the, and the, and some of the deadpan delivery. Yeah. That I feel is on the way out.
0: I don't know. Maybe, maybe in Europe, maybe, maybe in the UK. I'm not sure. I can't think of anything recently that I've seen that's. But that's the the thing. This is an
2: American movie. Mm.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that you probably. Won't see this sort of movie from America until the, I don't know, until the times change or something, or the pendulum swings or something, you know.
1: And it wasn't even that crazy. Like it wasn't outlandish, like the titties and stuff we've seen.
2: No, well, no, that that's more that's maybe why it's so it's charming because it did mm. it, it did have it it would be different if it had hard bodies chic.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> you yeah, know, I think so.
2: There, there was a there's a hint of that in some of the parties. Like,
0: junk food gives pig. you
1: big titties.
2: Okay. So <laughs> you've you've mentioned it, all right? So there's a couple of things. Chris Knight is, this is Welkimmer's character. He is keeping the pig man dream alive. Okay. He says the first time he, he, he he's getting shown around his new job, right? Or like this job that he's gonna have after he he graduates. And this chick is there, and these two guys, and he's got like, you know, he says to them. They go, why are you wearing the, the, those those stupid toy or whatever? He's got these floppy and they oh, yeah. little balls on his head. And he says, "You know, I just didn't want you guys to think I was stuffy. You know, no fun, all brain, no penis." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she laughs. She laughs like you, AJ. She went, "Ah!" <laughs> she, did laugh, yeah. she laughed. Yeah. So, so <sighs> you know, I don't know what the message is. Like, is it? But also, is he saying that the penis is the center of fun? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: All brain, no there penis.
1: Isn't there wasn't it? many though.
2: No. Don't eat that. Don't you know that eating stuff can give you very large breasts? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh god. <laughs> I'm too late.
1: <laughs> and I, I, at the very start someone said I haven't had a working weapon since Korea.
2: Well, that yeah, was yeah. In that was the great. Room. That was good because those guys but those guys were the bad guys. Yeah. So, yeah. so them being pigs was great, but then, but then Chris Knight being a pig because he also sleezes on to another woman later. But the woman he said the breast thing to, she, not only did she love it. <laughs> she she, loved it. She loved it, but she, he whisked her away, yeah. presumably. <laughs> For
1: <powder>. a romp.
0: <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like that would work. I feel like 20 years ago that line delivered in a cheeky way by a good-looking guy would fucking work and the chick would find it funny.
2: Yeah, but I honestly, this is the, look, remember, look, I, I'm not advocating, like, I think you need to to read the room is what I'm saying, firstly. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> the internet is not, particularly Twitter, particularly the, the pinkos that we, you know, have to associate with all the time, the lefties and whatever, um, they are not the real world. And if you are at like some pub in Perth, in Northbridge and you're drunk and, you know, you're getting a bit loose and you could probably try this line and, and, you know, do all right. <laughs> it's down to the delivery though. <laughs> well, of course it is. But isn't that, no, but you just said it. If it's down to the delivery. What you're saying is that like when it's on, it's on. Do mm. you know what I mean? That's, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Like if you, any you can fuck up anything if you can't. Just, the message is if you're a creep creeper, oh. you will be found out. Yeah, you know you, you won't be able to say you won't be able to say hello if you're a creeper. You you'd be like you'd be like this. Oh <laughs> and then everyone would go. Um, everyone would say you're disgusting. Can you fuck off? Whereas we all know cheeky guys who can still get away with it. Yeah, you know you can come up and be like. Say a big line. And it's, and this is a cheeky line because you have to use your brain. You have to say, Oh, he's saying that, you know, if I eat this, I've got oh, wait a minute, he's saying I have got big breasts. You know? And then she's she's like, he's smart, he's great. Is any of this resonating? Or am I just am I like everyone sings a lawyer just <laughs> you know, beyond the pale uh, it was all consensual
0: <laughs> yeah just was, two adults engaging in consensual adult behavior
2: um so i've got a favorite character but i want to know who your favorite oh oh who do i love i do love
0: i do love kent he's a total uh, oh. piece of shit. <laughs> so Ken is the main, the, the blonde bully. With with, 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 braces. with the Yeah, with the the underbite. And yeah. uh, he's just a total, total ass licking guy.
1: He looks like a Ken doll. Kind of. <laughs> it's so interesting.
2: I, <laughs> don't, don't you think that the casting's so interesting? Mm. Yeah. You know. Because um, he,
0: he, you know, w- w- with a different sort of look, he, he could be a jock in another definitely. movie, you know.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Mm. Um, Yeah, no, he's he is funny, and um, like they end up putting a like a speaker in his in his his
3: braces. braces, Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favourite bits is when they're they're talking to him through his braces, and they're saying, "Don't play with yourself." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they think they they make him think it's God speaking to him. So good, so good. Yeah, he was good. Um, my favourite character. Um, I love William Atherton so much, Jer- 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 Jerry Jerome Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> I love William Atherton. He is a fucking hero. I love him. I love everything he does. He is an absolute what a generous performer to go in all these movies and be a bad guy, bad guy yeah. in Ghostbusters, bad guy in this, um, you know, another another couple of films where he does something something similar. And you know, it takes a lot to be to be the heel, and uh, you know. I just want to talk about him for a sec. So this character is so fascinating. You know, he's deadpan. Mm. So basically, um, his his main deal is that so he's a professor, but he's also a sometime cable show host, you know, do a nice cheap gag. Him turning to the camera on his cable show and saying, uh, you know, um, nah, this week, the colon. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so good. So anyway, basically he's. I think his main sin is that he believes that he's better than everyone else. Because he articulates this to Mitch. He says, you know, we're better than everyone else. But he's really saying me, you know, I'm better. And that's that's why he's got the attitude he does. But I think his main crime is his, if you look at it deeply, he's he's sort of accepting the rewards of the American dream, which is like the house that he's building, the cushy job, notoriety, fame, comfort, sort of without doing the work. So you know, this is a big no-no when, when you're talking about the American dream. You've got to work hard, right? Like, you know, whether you believe in it or not, on screen you need to you need to work hard. And so he's exploiting his young team, stealing their credit. And I think or maybe another thing is that he's got no moral compass in terms of what the work is being used for. I think that, that is, that's been critiqued as well. But the funniest stuff, this is where it gets great. It's so subtle. He's really anal retentive, anally retentive about his house and his possessions.
1: Mm-mm.
2: So, you know, like he's obsessed with his rug. This, well, the rug, the new house, and like, like the, he's house proud. And that yeah. is being made fun of as well, because he's sort of being shown as it would be different. The reason, the reason this is so subtle and so great is because it would be different if he, if he wanted something outrageous. Like, if he wanted a mansion, it would be outrageous. If he wanted, like, you know, something that was, you know, 50 cent style house or Takeshi 6'9's house or whatever. Like something that's bigger than Ben-Hur, but he doesn't. He just wants to be upper middle class, mm. <laughs> and, and it's well, sort of may, in a sense. May, maybe that's a, that's a comment on the uh,
0: on uh, on the salary of an academic or something. Yeah,
2: but it's there's something very funny about him being obsessed with these these fittings and everything yeah, that yeah. that mm. he's because he's got no breeding, you know, and. Um, like he wants you to get off his rugs. He's got no time for dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he's got no time for jokes, but he's got time to stoop the daughter of one of the major investors. <laughs> you know he's got designs on being being part of the upper middle class, which is funny for some reason. Yeah, it's that no breeding. But uh, what a subtle villain and um some great lines, the deadpan lines that he that he nails every time. Like um he meets the parents, Mitch's parents, at the beginning and. They say, you know, Mr. Hathaway, I was, I was watching you talk about, you know, semiconductors last night on your show or whatever. I got a question. Is that your real hair? <laughs> and, then, and he's like, is Mitch by any chance adopted?
3: And then she says, no.
2: And he goes, it's, am- it's amazing, isn't it? Or <laughs> stuff like, Man, what's Mr. Einstein really like? Dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Here's one more, and this has got your favorite guy, Je- uh, Kent, in there. So Kent goes, "It's God, then Jerry, then me." You know, he says that to Mitch, yeah. and then then Jerry comes in, and me- and Kent turns around and says, "Oh, hello, Jerry." And he says, "I told you before, Kent, you don't get to use my first name." <laughs> so good, so good. You know, like that is wonderful. That's almost the office. That stuff. Don't you don't get yeah, to use my yeah, first yeah, name? Yeah. You know, that's Brett, Gareth, and Brent. You know?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. So good. <laughs> so that was my William Atherton really is the, the thing I, I I think is a sparkling treat in this movie. <laughs> what do you reckon, AJ? Well,
1: I loved the parents. They were my fa- favorite <laughs> characters. <They laughs> just <were> just <laughs> brutal as fuck. They just wanted the glory. The um the phone call was fucking rough. How they said that they've already rented his room out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, well, and so cruel as well, like to record yeah. someone crying about how they want to go home. I wonder, yeah. and, and he's saying like,
1: I'm going to come live with you. Yeah, They're like, no, nah, we've rented the room out. You've got to stay there. And
0: let's, let's remember the kids 15 as yeah. well.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so good.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed them.
2: Mitch was probably, now, AJ, I'm surprised you haven't already mentioned this, but Mitch was la femme.
1: Yeah, he was, but he was fifteen, so you can't. Well,
2: so you can't say he's a lefem.
1: No, well, you still can, but he was—he was a young lefem. Like, <laughs> who knows what he's going to grow into?
2: <laughs> he might have grown out of his lefem. La <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and I thought I just thought that was funny, and um, his his relationship with Jordan was really cute. Um, oh, it uh, was yeah, punching mm. with her, nineteen-year-old. Yeah.
1: What the fuck? Mm. Why would, Why did mm. she say that she wasn't gay? I'm not gay. I'm not gay. She's just weird. I
2: don't know. Well, Maybe, she's on the maybe,
0: maybe women in the science field were, mm.
1: were
0: no, but she clearly, seen as gay.
2: No, but now we know what – she's clearly ADHD or oh, on yeah. spectrum or something. And, like, in the 80s, you just, you know, they didn't say anything. Like, you know, I'm sure Sheila can confirm this. In the 80s, they wouldn't have just said that person's the R word, you know? Like, they wouldn't they, – whereas, like – but I thought, but still they didn't do that in this movie. And right. she was it was allowed to be her. And yeah. and and she just was it's sort of like I preferred the representation of her and um, you know, what she's got going on better than they would do it now. Because now mm. they'd say it'd begin with, you know.
1: Oh, now it'd be terrible.
2: But now it would be you don't get to, you know, you, you don't get to be part of our party because you're you're on the spot. Spectrum, or something, you know, like, like, whereas they'd make such a big deal about it. Yeah. Whereas they just. This you wasn't know. a
1: big deal at all. No. It was just, yeah. That was just who she, who what she was.
2: That's who yeah. she was. And she was accepted by everyone. Mm. And she still got to have a relationship. And, you know, I mean, she did race off a 15 year old boy, which.
1: That's, yeah.
2: I suspect is statutory rape. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It D- depends we'll, we'll, on the state, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're in a more <laughs> liberal sort of um, place.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So this uh, this movie actually featured in an episode of MythBusters, believe it or not.
1: Oh! So
0: the episode Car versus Rain, the MythBusters team tried to work out whether the destruction of Doctor Hathaway's house with a laser popped popcorn with laser pop popcorn is actually possible. So uh, first, they actually used a ten watt laser to pop a single kernel of uh, of uh, popcorn wrapped in aluminium foil. Uh, that w- that showed that uh, popping corn is possible with a laser. So then they tested a scaled-down model of the house. Uh, the popcorn was popped through induction heating because uh, they didn't have a sufficiently large laser. Uh, and the result was that the popcorn was unable to expand uh, sufficiently to break glass, much less break open a door or move the house off its foundations, uh, instead, it ceased to expand and then simply charred. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's not a
2: documentary, boys. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> it came close, though. It would have at least filled up the house and pissed off Jerry. No, but
2: those, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Those fat beardy weirdies. <laughs> <laughs> they can fuck <buckle> off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, but
0: but how's this? How's this for a mammoth mission? The production team on Real Genius spent three months straight popping popcorn.
2: For the- well, that's <laughs> to get enough popcorn wow.
1: for that scene.
2: That's the dark side of the American dream, right there. Yeah. <laughs> and the waste is what they went. And the new craze wasting food. And they just <laughs> yeah. literally. Wow. In. Yeah. Fuck. It's a sublime ending. And I think that it that is. really is. It's so joyful, perfect song, slow mo, mm. playing in the popcorn. You really do. It really does get you. You know. No. Yeah. I mean, it's such a nice way to vanquish your villain as well. Like, is to ruin mm. his
1: house.
2: It would have been great to watch that in the cinema whilst eating popcorn. You know. Oh shit, that's great. Yeah, actually, everyone because everyone would have had popcorn in their hands yeah. mm. when Jerry said, "Is that popcorn?" I. I I can stamp popcorn, get that away from me. Like like and everyone would yeah. have gone ha 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 ha. You know, like yeah. like that's actually um yeah, situational really. Mm. Cause you know, there was no going to be saying when I was watching it. So what do you what do you think of Val in this movie? Um, well, I think that the main thing is that you know, he doesn't what's interesting is that he isn't the main character, really. Mm. Although although he's billed as the main character in all promo. Yeah. Which makes sense, but that's why I think the movie's special in a way is that you know I'm sure it was unintentional or just worked out that way, but it's not. It's you know, even though he's not, he doesn't have that the main change that 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 the protagonist has. It's I think he is a a warm blanket over you in this movie, you know, and and he you know you, you really enjoy his infectious. um uh, you know, sort of hijinks mm. and and his and his attitude. Uh, you know, um, but he is yeah, he's just sort of having fun, like mm. you know, and 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 not um. There's a couple of moments where he gets a bit he gets a bit serious, but uh, you know, I, I I thought he was good. AJ, would you? Uh...
1: Yeah, I thought he was good. I thought that um he was the right level of weird. He didn't overdo it. Um, he was yeah, just quirky, quirky dude. I I bought it.
0: Yeah, I like because. You say he didn't have a tra- transformation, but I feel like he did in a way. Like I feel like he was headed down a path where his his hijinks was going to do him in eventually, and he wouldn't graduate. You know, yes. so I feel like um, him teaming up, him teaming up with Mitch, really, uh, I I, I've, I felt like that was a little bit of a transformation for him. I agree. And yeah. um, related to that, I've got I've actually found this nice this nice quote from a guy called Richard. Uh, Schickle famous
2: of, of Time famous, Magazine. Uh, movie, Sorry?
0: Famous movie review. Oh, is he? I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and he said of this movie, uh, "The best retort to an intolerable situation is not necessarily a food fight. Better results and more fun come, come from rubbing a few brisk, uh, a few brains briskly together."
2: Mm. He's making I his bet. work with that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he is yeah but i guess it's just showing that teamwork and mucking in together uh, can be more rewarding yeah, than but, but the reason
2: me. he's fucked that up is because i would be like richard um, they do solve the problem with food <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they do they do, have, they and they do have, have a food fight they at the have, end. <laughs> they have a fucking food fight so what are you talking about <laughs> oh, i didn't put, i didn't put two and two together that's why he's confused me. Like, you know, I'm like, just okay, so change, I'm the editor. I'd like change the first bit, like, and then so yeah, it's
1: yeah.
2: Good. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, it spoke same, to me that quote. It no, spoke. no, it is good. Mm. Just a quick mention uh, of the music as well. Um, Thomas Newman, another Thomas Newman. Yeah, again. So last mm. week, Revenge of the Nerds, and now, what did you make of his uh, work in this film? I think it was more subtle than Revenge of the Nerds because
0: I, mm. I do remember thinking, oh, Thomas Newman, and then hearing that that Thomas Newman sound that, he's, that he goes for, you know, for highly rhythmic, uh, light on melody, um, references, a bit of world music as well, which which has been his thing.
2: Decolonize not Thomas Newman. Decolonize, yeah, decolonize, right? But yep. who do you think you, you are? You
0: cannot use those exotic instruments, you white devil. <laughs> <laughs> you can only use violins and banjos,
2: yeah, absolutely. What <laughs> do you think you are? You know, uh, great source music, though. I mean, we we'll oh, already yeah. mentioned Tears for Fears, two Brian tracks. Adams. Oh, yes, I'm so glad you brought that up, Brian Adams. One night love so affair,
1: exo- excited to hear it.
2: Good scene, hey? Eh?
1: Yeah, really good.
2: Uh, actually, that's probably the 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 most romantic scene, and that one that gives you like you know, unless you're young and uh, having a good time right now, those one of those scenes where you go, oh, like you know he's having fun, that awesome song, like you know they've created a s- water slide and in mm. the in the lecture theater. But my favorite track now, I mentioned this very early in our uh, episode run. I mentioned study montages. This is one of my favorites, and this track, I'm Fallen by the CS Angels. I love this track. It's my favorite track in the movie. Uh, and I, I think in the in in you know the annals of um study montages, it's it's one of my favorites. I, I you know, very subtle, uh, and I but but the, you know simple visual gags, like you know, we've got you know obviously all sorts of progression in there. My my favorite progression is um, you know, a full lecture, as the, as the semester goes on, the full lecture theatre with Hathaway, Hathaway teaching the students. And then the next time we see them, half the students are replaced by, uh, you know, boom boxes and recording devices and watching Jerry. The next time Mitch comes in, the entire auditorium is filled with boomboxes and Jerry himself has been replaced by a real-to-reel tape machine. So we <laughs> Yeah. So we have which is great. I uh, just that's a that's a perfect example of what you should do in a montage. It needs to be progression. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Weren't so, yeah. there weren't there
2: about three study mon- study mm. montages
0: in this movie? There was a lot, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Maybe, maybe too many. Mm well so. it is
0: it is a it is a movie about scientists you know st- uh, student scientists
2: it is hard to visualize a lot of this stuff like it's you know we in rocky and in Youngblood and whatever like it's easy to see to to sort of visualize sport you know as i want mm. this i'm going to get this i have to do this whereas when it's studying you know it really you really do have to yeah. work to make it visually interesting um you know because you can't just have you know
1: Literally, someone sitting there reading a book. It's not going to work. You've got to no. see papers flying around and Dude. you're running into people.
2: But, no, but it's <laughs> also got that funny that you mentioned at the beginning that guy's screaming when he has that and you have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Went for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> and then when he runs out, some some other geek just like takes his chair.
1: Yeah. Yes. No one gave a fuck. Yeah. So good.
2: <laughs> Mm. Do we have any final thoughts for that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we have to do to Me Too as well. So Me Too scale. Meh. Yeah? What do you think, AJ? Yeah. Out of 10?
1: Meh. Uh, so that's what? Uh, zero, half? Zero,
2: one? Yeah. yeah. One and a half? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I said it was two because um, okay. I counted up those pig man moments um, and they were done by the lead character. So that I increased its severity slightly. Because I wanted to go and say some of the stuff he said. <laughs> and in fact one of that that boobs one i might say to katie t- tonight yeah well
0: That's two funny. stars for me and uh my my final thoughts are real genius real people real comedy
2: real fun I
1: like okay it.
2: i've got one good clean fun a laser to your cold dead heart <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> 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 all right mm. top secret Top so secret. I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about Top Secret. 1984.
3: I think we're at the East German checkpoint. Better have our passports ready. Now remember, Nick, this is the first time rock music has ever been allowed in this country. So you're not just a performer, you're an ambassador representing America. And above all, remember we've got to play by their rules. Martin, I've been practicing. How's this? East der Takten What does that mean? Is your daughter eighteen? How silly can you get? Yeah, yeah. How silly can you get? I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only to lose her to a childhood lover who she'd last seen on a deserted island and who turned out fifteen years later to be the leader of the French underground. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. I tried everything. The embassy, the German government, the consulate. I even talked to the UN ambassador. It's no use. I just can't bring my wife to orgasm. I'm crying already. Uh, (laughs) uh,
0: Holding those tears. So I've got a synopsis here. So so bear with me here. This synopsis has several twists and turns. As you guys well know, the plot is uh, convoluted. So Nick Rivers, an American rock star who's modelled on Elvis Presley. Uh, He travels to East Germany, which is weirdly represented like Hitler's regime of the 1930s. Uh, And he's to perform at a cultural festival, uh, which secretly serves as The East German, uh, it it secretly serves the uh, East German government as a diversion for a military operation with the intent of reuniting Germany under their rule. At dinner, Nick encounters Hilary Flamond, a member of the local resistance movement who is attempting to avoid the authorities. He pretends to be her date to get to know her and performs an impromptu song and dance. Uh, Later, Nick sees Hilary at the ballet, where she expects to rendezvous with the resistance leader but is met uh, by the police instead uh, nick saves her they try to escape uh, nick ends up turning himself in so that hillary can get away he's then taken to prison where he's questioned and tortured um in an escape attempt he ends up in the secret prison lab of dr paul flamond a brilliant scientist who is developing this thing called the Polaris, uh, Polaris Naval Mine, which is a device that can uh, destroy an entire NATO submarine fleet. And this is part of the German, uh, East German government's plot. Um, they force him to work by threatening to kill his daughter, Hillary. Um, Nick is then recaptured and uh, scheduled for execution. So the East Germans decide that Nick must perform to avoid an international incident Uh, He does so to the rapturous joy of the local girls. Uh, He's rescued by Hillary. uh, At the end of their performance, uh, they spend the night together in the loft of a Swedish bookstore. The next morning, they're moved to uh, a place called the Potato Farm, where they meet members of the French resistance, uh, led by a guy called Nigel, uh, who was Hillary's lover when they were stranded on an island as youths. So uh, Nick is upset by Hillary's love for Nigel, but accepts they must work together for the cause. So after fighting off an attack by the East Germans, who were tipped off by a mystery traitor, they move to a pizza restaurant where Nick uh, proves his identity by performing for the locals. Um The resistance group then stages a rescue of Dr. Flamond where Nigel and another member of the resistance dress up in a fake cow outfit to disable the prison's defences, which is uh, probably the funniest scene. We'll get into that. Uh, While the other members successfully infiltrate the prison, Nigel then reveals himself as the traitor. Uh, Dr. Flamond is rescued, but Nigel makes off with Hillary, and Nick is forced to rescue her in an underwater bar fight. Uh, with their flight about to leave, Hilary chooses to go with Nick and her father to America. Oh, there's a lot in there. So the film parodies various film styles, such as musicals, uh, particularly the Elvis-style musicals, uh, spy films of the Cold War era and World War II films, um I was definitely not prepared for this film. I had no idea what was going on when I started it and it sent my brain spinning. Uh <laughs> there's like there's a sight gag or a physical joke or a pun or a crazy song or a weird surreal moment almost every 5 seconds. Uh they come at you so thick and so fast. You can't even remember them all. Uh, it's it's brimming with gags. What did you guys think of this? I know AJ, maybe we start with you. I think you're a fan of this movie.
1: I needed this movie. I needed it. I need to watch it anytime I'm upset. I fucking love this movie. I love it.
2: <laughs> That's big. I love it. That's big. Yeah. And great. And I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that you know that you that this podcast is not is not, you know, not completely worthless. For you. <laughs> <laughs> Not just watching misogynists you know, get away with it all
1: the time. <laughs> I just love dumb shit, and this was so dumb. Uh, I loved it. Uh,
0: it was well, it was delightful. I, you know, the extent of my Val Kilmer knowledge is 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 the latest stuff, the '90s mm, stuff. You know, so it's it's Willow, it's The Doors, it's Heat. It's The Saint, it's Top Gun. So I sat down to watch what I thought might be something somewhere in that realm. Mm. And then I met with the most outrageous Leslie Nielsen film. Yeah, you know. How That's
2: long right. before it set in did you, did you realize? <laughs> oh, fuck. How does it start? It starts it with. It starts in East, East Berlin. Mm. Yeah. Or East Germany, sorry. Oh, I think I think it was the, the skeet surfing song. <laughs> okay, it would have been this now. So get this. It starts with uh, a song that is <laughs> a song that is dramatized as well. So yeah. a bunch of um, sort of beach boys types running to the beach with shotguns singing ooh, skeet surfing, skeet surfing. If everybody had a 12-gauge with a surfboard, too, you'd see him shooting and surfing from here to Malibu (laughs) because he's totally bitching, riding waves and blasting pigeons, and it's a neat shooting skeet when you're riding on heavies all day. (laughs) First wave, shoot, shoot, don't get tired. Second wave, shoot, shoot, aim higher. Third wave, shoot, shoot, pull it and fire. Skeet shooting, uh, waxing down our surfboards and loading up our traps, tell the teacher we're shooting and never coming back. So what do you think of skate? I think I'm broken. Skeet surfing. It was amazing. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Skeet, skeet shooting and surfing together. You know? Like it's just mm. madness, and you see guys on 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 surfboards going like shooting. so many of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's like sixty guys doing it. It's the latest craze, I suppose. But but you know, in, uh, although surfing that looks like it's quite exhilarating, it does. Maybe the point they're making it's like it is maybe to to. A, East Germany, maybe everything is pointless. Like I don't know. Like skeet shooting, it's like excessive and pointless. Or maybe that's maybe it's something that's that looks pretty cool with something that's a rich person's thing. Don't aren't you sort of like don't only rich people skeet shoot, or is it poor people to do it as well? I don't know. I don't <laughs> poor know. Poor people, poor people shoot at cans in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I take back what I said. It's a stupid thing I said. Okay. <laughs> what it, what it, because, because when you picture ski shooting, like, well, ski shooting has to be something for someone who's well off because you, because you, you're blowing apart clay pigeons. Yeah. Like, and that is, it's wasteful and it's sort of like, They've combined two hobbies, two unlikely hobbies, yeah, in yeah, such yeah, a stra- yeah. strange way. I, I, th- <laughs> I think that's why why it's
0: funny. You know, the the, the surfer beach bum guy meets the conservative, <laughs> uh, you know, country club
2: skeet shooter. You know, <laughs> he said it. He said it. That's why it's funny because you would never see a skeet shooter like at the beach. <laughs> 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 it is, but just that line gets in your head. You just walk around going, if "Everybody had a twelve gauge, <laughs> and a sub too The,
1: the ah. singing in the movie was great. He was fantastic. Val killed it. I loved it.
0: Yeah, he was good as he like, Did the fifties teen idol. He did sing them all. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Wow,
2: that's big. Yeah. I think because he even did some standards. He did some rock and roll standards. He did, yeah, yeah. Like Tutti Fruity. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he was magnificent. It was really good.
2: Yeah. So but this movie, think of the think of the time, 1984. Um I think we have no appreciation for well, I certainly don't, of, of what the world was like but you know, with that with that uh that wall, that dividing wall mm. in Germany. Mm. And, um, you know, the idea that behind there was that Stasi state and that it was just sort of a big joke and that they sent, you know, that they involved in doping, which, you know, (laughs) East Germans, women's Olympic Olympic team. team? Yeah. (laughs) Which, if if there Um, is any wokes listening, like who work at Mamma Mia, okay, that joke is a doping joke, not a trans joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Explain the joke to those who haven't. All right. Seen it. Well, they're giving medals to to some patriots in in Germany, in Berlin, and they say that um the 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 the, the guy giving them the the, the you know they, he says that we're going to present you with the these medals or the key to the city or whatever, and it'll be presented by the 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 women, the East German women's Olympic team, and and the the burliest bodybuilders with blonde and brunette wigs <laughs> come down. They've got like pleated skirts and stuff as well. Like so that's the most, you know, humiliating attire. And they just because the joke that joke is so pervasive that like from all my childhood it was a big joke about um, you know, sort of the the uh, um Eastern bloc doping. And yeah, that was that... a big deal in the day. Mm. Yeah. That's right. I mean that, you know. But nowadays, different. nowadays, woke people would, would see
0: that and, and not even see it as a joke. They'd be like, "Yep, yep, they're just trans athletes."
2: Well, that's that's what I'm saying. The joke, the joke is <laughs> it's a it's a thinking person's movie, and even yeah. though it is yeah. dumb, <laughs> there's, there's just some of the jokes you do have to think about. You know? Yeah. Uh, oh, so. there's so
1: many. Oh, there's it's, there's so many. Oh. Yeah. I I, I was
2: reading a review
0: on IMDb. A, a lady who who had watched this movie multiple times over twenty years, and only just saw uh, in the in the dining room scene when Val Kilmer that they tell him he's got to wear a, a tie and a jacket in the in the dining room. And they go, oh, you can borrow one of ours. So he goes off. And then in the background, when there's something else happening in the <laughs> foreground, he's getting fully tailored. He's he's taking his pants yeah. off, getting fully tailored. And that woman never saw that. And she only just wow. saw it 20 years later. And she's like, gift. this movie is amazing. And I think yeah. that's true. I think there's things in this that you you, you miss first time around. I and saw something just before this podcast.
2: Around. This podcast I was watching a little bit where, it's in that first scene where one of the underlings takes off his helmet to, to present some information. To oh, the, and the strap's still there. The, the strap's still under his chin. <laughs> That's right, yeah. From the helmet. Yeah. And it took me a second and I was like, ah. <laughs> 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 It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. Well, they, they are very playful and uh, with, um, you know, uh, With cinema and 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 you know, forced perspective tricks, and yeah, and 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 they're they're constantly making you think they're playing with these, 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 um, the the illusions of the screen by making you think twice. Like, there'll be someone sitting down, there's boots on the desk, (laughs) and then he stands up, and the boots are still there, you know, and you go, Oh, I thought he was the boot, he was going to put his legs down, (laughs) but he didn't. You know,
0: it's no. <laughs> so many good bits. You know, oh, what about what about the giant pigeon statue? Oh, <laughs> where, where, <laughs> so there's a giant pigeon statue in the background of the scene, and randomly three humans fly down like birds. One guy starts sit pissing. Yeah. Well. yeah, they all start pissing, don't they?
2: Right, and then they all fly off. <laughs> it's amazing. That is surrealism. That is. I honestly think that this this type of humor is. We need to get back to this. This is a um, this is a weapon against the woke. You know what I mean? They don't get this stuff. They don't like surrealism. They don't understand it. They're very they're, they're by they're and large literal. the worst. Well, they are very literal. Yeah. They don't like you know the 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 the, the, the surrealists like Dalí and Louis Bunuel and whatnot. And you know this this type of comedy has roots in that, and the idea of the, of surrealism is is to inject the unexpected into the everyday and to shock you, to shock you mm. in, out of your out of your experience. And the woke don't want to shock you out of your experience. You know they they can only take you very literally. So the idea of there being a pigeon statue with men that fly down onto it is just <laughs> that's incredible. And then at the mm. end, the, the the button on the end of the scene, the statue. Um, you know, pigeon, pigeon dookie. Yeah, yeah. huge pigeon yeah. dookie. Yeah, so it's it's great stuff. You know, I feel like um, I, I look. I want to talk about the creators of this movie, Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker, abbreviated to Zaz. So they're a filmmaking trio. Um, they are behind some of our favorites, obviously Airplane,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which you know, like we call it Airplane. But as Australians, we're sort of duty-bound to call it Flying High, you know, like when mm. uh, when I I, don't, I know that the American title is sort of taken over now, but my parents always used to talk about Flying High and it was a big mm. deal. So Flying High, Naked Gun, which is, you know, as close to a 10 out of 10 comedy as you can yeah, get. I grew up with that. Oh, my mm. God. Well, Naked Gun is incredible, you know. So... These guys have also had some some solo stuff. Like some of them have gone on to do the the, the latest scary movies, which actually the latest scary movies are actually closer to this. Um,
1: oh wow, I didn't the top that. secret.
2: Yeah, so four, five, and six scary movie are actually a lot closer to top secret because um, the originals were done by the Wayne's brothers, which mm. you know, and that that's got my strong hand. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's my strong and some other good bits you know but but it's definitely the, the wayne's brother's humor whereas four five and six real shift to to um oh, the, wow. like a style so you know some really really great stuff also leslie leslie nielsen i think might no no did they no, no he might be dead at that point anyway so uh these guys are you know really comedy comedy geniuses really and you know just some quotes from them you know they 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 endeavored to put as Ricky has said th- they they believed in density you know so so they wanted there always to be every page of the script so you've got verbal gags we've got we when we need visual gags we need you know we need um, prop gags as well so there might even be three four layers going on you know mm. you, like eventually you go wait a minute that thing in the that sign in the background is also a gag mm. you know so um they, they really did work every second to try and fill this thing. And you want, see, you know, we don't understand. It's only if you tried to do what they're doing that you would realise how hard it is. Oh,
1: it'd be crazy hard. Absolutely. Like, like, yeah, it's insane.
0: Even though there's three of them, I, I feel like it would take years to oh. write, write a script with that much density of comedic material.
2: Absolutely. So. And they talk about this. They were bulletproof after after airplane or flying high. That did really, really well. And they've acknowledged that top secret is missing something. Um, they feel like it I is. I disagree. Re-
1: well, look,
2: and a lot of people do disagree <laughs> with them, and that's good because you know, and if and if you think the film works as you know, just they they are saying from their perspective, they feel unlike flying high and and make a gun. That this film is sort of uh, it's just on a basic level lacking um, a little bit of story. So they say. So Jim Abrams says it was a really good story, uh, and David and Jerry and I just kind of hung out, hung our jokes on it. Um, that about airplane. They're saying here it was a real, really a gift that we stumbled across that, uh, that movie. So it took a little while for us to figure out uh, exactly why airplane was so effective. And then Jerry Zucker says, without the jokes, there's still a story at hmm. some. But here, here's what? where no, but he says at some moronic level you care about. <laughs> You care about if the plane lands safely and if the boy and girl get together, and that helps the jokes work. This is like in Team America. They like originally um, Matt and Trey were going to do. They weren't going to do Team America. They were going to do the day after tomorrow that stupid Roland Emmerich um, disaster movie. They were going to get something like that, an actual script, and do it with Mary, like you know, puppets. Mm. And that would be what was silly about it, you know. But then they made Team America, and actually, if you actually took out the jokes of Team America, it still works as mm. a story because there's a you know protagonist, there's stakes, there's drama, there's you know there's change and transformation, whatever. And it's the same in Airplane! Naked gun now. In com- but Robert McKee has famously said that in comedy it doesn't really matter, and he's I think he's right. So mm. if you say that Top Secret is 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 sparkling. Um, without the story, well, then it is, because all the only thing this movie has to do is make you laugh. And if it did that, you know, from way to go, well, fucking hell, it's a masterpiece. Mm.
1: And yeah, and I don't laugh out loud a lot, and I was piercing myself. I, I was losing it.
2: Well, that's <laughs> precious. That's precious, you know, and um, yeah, no, and I was I was laughing all the way through, too, and it it felt like I was in strong hands, you know, or steady hands. They mm. mm. knew what I yeah. was doing. They also say this about this. So one of the 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 things they like to do is sort of reference. It's a bit harder now that we're a bit more fragmented in in the media that we like. Uh, but back then, because of you know everyone had mainstream and popular culture uh, sort of collective um, experiences, they used to spoof scenes from movies, other movies, and TV shows, and things like that. And but they say about that, they say about these scenes that where they where they're spoofing other movies or other genres, they say that. Um, one of the rules they came up with was that if they're going to parody a specific scene from a movie, that it needs to work on its own. That like, and if right. you get, if you get the fact that it's a parody of a specific movie, well, that's the frosting on the cake. But mm. and then David Zucker says, uh, when I reflect on it, it's better that we didn't do topical humor and that the unique things about the movies um, is that they are still funny and and that that the audience the audiences still laugh. So those spoof scenes. Um, you know, this is why you know we like those scenes in The Simpsons. You know, we like those mm. Hitch- Hitchcock scenes, those Rear Window scenes, Citizen Citizen Kane, all those scenes that of movies we hadn't seen at that yeah. time. We were too young, we were kids. Yeah. But you watch it, the, but then you watch it later, and then you see the scenes again. And you go, oh my god, those scenes actually like like the the Bobo episode of Mr. Burns. You know, um looking for Bobo mm. in The Simpsons it works whether you've seen Citizen Kane or not. And then when you have seen Citizen Kane, it's, it's just as good. So these guys are, are, are using that as their, their reference here. And that's why that Blue Lagoon stuff in this is so funny. It's, um, it's like um, cause maybe, cause maybe Blue Lagoon, the idea of Blue Lagoon, you know, with the two youngsters uh, marooned on an island and then sort of, sort of coming to this sexual awakening <laughs> has sort of looms large in our culture. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's a, that's a that's a strong idea that I don't think is going away anytime soon. And you know the the unlikely thing in this movie is that the guy, so the lead actress was you know involved in the Blue Lagoon um, setup, but then the bad guy turns out to be the guy she, the other the guy from the Blue Lagoon spoof scene, hmm. <laughs> but but he comes out in the resistance in the potato farm where the fuck they are. But he's still dressed like he is at, okay. on the island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Careless. You know? So, From like 15 years ago. Yeah, he's still dressed the same. You know? Uh, with the
0: same like like marooned hairstyle as well.
2: Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he's the guy who gets in the, uh, the cow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the cow. Oh, my God. So it it, it reminded me a little bit of Jim Carrey's work in Ace Ventura 2. The rhino. Inside the rhino. (laughs) but But this is far superior. So they've got this ridiculous cow costume to get inside of, but- when they're in it they're, the way they've shot it is they've actually got a real cow there and they've they've put some gumboots on it <laughs> so, <laughs> it's hilarious watching this cow walking around and hearing their voices coming out <laughs> so simple so simple <laughs> oh but there's that scene where they where they're trying to crack open the safe and it's the cow but then you see the hand come up <laughs> to the safe and put put the stethoscope on there, and then the guy's smoking, but but the cow's smoking. <laughs> uh, but but the funniest bit for me was when the baby cow runs up to take to take milk from the cow, so and ends up <laughs> the
2: fake cow,
0: <laughs> yeah, of the fake cow, and ends up giving giving our trader
2: a, a delicious BJ.
1: Who has a massive dong.
2: <laughs> and he's also saying, he doesn't he say, like, he's like, why are you always goes, hurrying me or whatever? Yeah,
0: because the other guy's like, come on, what are you waiting for? He's like, why, why are you always hurrying me? Just, just. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's just enjoying it. He's enjoying himself.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Can he I does. say
1: my few top Oh, please. parts. So when they're at the um, table um, when he saved her and they're at dinner and he can't speak to the waiter and she says, I know a little German, and then she points to him and says he's sitting over there.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> he gets up. You know why that's funny? Because he gets up. <laughs> and he's done. Uh, t- He's tiny, but he gets up and he's jovial. <laughs> yes. he, sm- he beams. He beams at her <laughs> smiles and waves.
1: <laughs> hey Joe, hey Joe you still with sorry, us? Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> I love it so dumb. I love it when the, the guy that gets crushed in the car <laughs> <laughs> is still alive in the crushed car and walking as the car.
2: Well, you're going to like the next clip I put on Insta because my favorite, one of my favourite bits is he lays down, she gets on top yes. of him and, um, you know, she goes, she needs something out of the, the the glove compartment and he says, I might be able to reach it. And he goes, meep, meep, and it beeps and stuff. And then she leans over him, her bosoms go in his face, the car aerial goes eh, up from groin height, groin height, and, and you hear this meep, meep. And then it cuts, (laughs) smash cut, the next scene. And I was like, yes, 10 out of 10. (laughs)
1: Uh, Another part that I liked was um, when he was singing one of the songs, like the broody songs, and then, like, he goes to hang himself in a noose with his head in the oven and then he lies on the train tracks. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, that is good.
1: Me. That's
2: making fun of that all that of the of that theatric. Oh yeah, yeah, that 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 fifties <laughs> teen teen love, you know, angsty lover thing. Yeah. I'm going to kill myself, you know. But he's got all the so props good. on on the
1: stage. And yeah. I really like the resistance. How they were just random words that everyone would know,
0: <laughs> like, like déjà vu.
1: Yeah. And the um black guy was chocolate mousse. And, and I really and he laughs kind of like me when the guy coughs it in his hand, um, in his handkerchief or whatever, looks at it and then jumps through the window. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And chocolate moose is li- living it up. And he's laughing. He's asking uh, about him,
0: and and also, wh- why the hell is the resistance made up of Frenchmen? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, because what do they want in East Germany? You know uh, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah it it is it is a celebration of of you know. I'm sure this is changing, American listeners, but you know, your reputation as perhaps not as informed about other countries and other countries' <laughs> histories, maybe you should be, uh, you know. So this sort of anti-European, like like the tape at the beginning, you know, like that the, he's learning German and the stuff that's being said is just, you know, there, there is too much something on my sauerkraut, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's bonkers, bonkers stuff. A,
0: a, a lot of the a lot of the German words that they're using, particularly in the dining room, are all Yiddish words.
2: Oh, so, really? Yeah. Well, the, the, that's really. This is, you know, I think it's fair to say this is the peerless, um, like Jewish American comedy.
1: Mm.
2: Do you know what I mean? Like, like the like it, the Jewish Americans, maybe the Jewish people in general. I don't, I don't know. No, I'm not hundred percent sure, but. You know, absolute uh, kings and queens of comedy. You know, like it's uh, it's proven. We don't need to even think about it. So, and I feel like you know, I don't know about you guys, but like watching these movies like Naked Gun and getting getting, you know, where I grew up on in uh, a, a smallish uh, part of Australia, uh, one of one of the lesser known capitals, in pretty pretty parochial. Like you know, we actually didn't have, unlike Melbourne, we didn't have. Huge Jewish population or anything like that, but I feel like it was movies like this that that gave me that, that cultural insight, you know, and that humor through the humor, you mm, know, and definitely, um, uh, yeah, real treat, you know, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so well, I reckon. Uh, how so did Nathan... Val Kilmer get in this movie? Sorry to jump in there, but no, no, but no. How did
0: how did Val Kilmer get into this movie?
2: Oh, I don't know. I think they saw him. I read an interview and they said they saw him in some theater, and he was, you know, he just did it. He's a handsome guy, and yeah. he went for it. So it wasn't wasn't a real special story, but um, yeah, he does a great job. He's 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 um he he's you know, but they, they they're masters at using people who you wouldn't expect. Like the, hmm. I thought Omar Sharif is really good in this yeah. uh, from Doctor Zhivago. Like,
0: oh, how about that scene? <laughs> Where he says to the the guy who's got all those gag props, yeah. At the end, he says, "Oh, you forgot your funny poo, With your fake <laughs> dog like, poo, fake dog poo." And he's like,
2: "What funny poo?" <laughs> 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 it's cheap, <laughs> cheap and wonderful, <laughs> very good. Very I just good.
0: love that 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 no no joke is is too highbrow or too too lowbrow. You know, it's just all in there. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's like a
2: grenade of comedy, you know.
1: They're just writing machines.
2: Well, they've got big fans in the the, the two directors of the Lego movie really, really love um, you know, Z A Z was as as a as a you know, and, and that and Lego movie is another example of it's in that you know in its own way is in this tradition, you know, they've tried to really jam it full of stuff, you know. Mm. And um so I think anyone who's into comedy loves um, these guys and and their work and yeah I think it's just you know I, I'm not sure where I where you'd go for this type of comedy now I know you know and I'm not down on now I love a lot of now you know that but I'm just I'm not quite sure where you'd go for this you know might... I,
1: th- I think you're right in saying that um, because it is a shared cultural experience more it was more targeted to what people
2: were going through and knew about and stuff. Yeah, well, we're a lot more fractured and fragmented now and and it's hard to get people, you know, I mean, well, I mean, we have to address, there was a lot in this movie that your uptight woke friend won't like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they don't like anything really. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, there's a lot of jokes in there that are, that are funny, if for reasons that you don't even know why they're funny there well, like that like the the comments that they you know they make fun of the idea of these these um you know the passwords that you have to say, you know how these these sort of cold war passwords when you have to go up to someone and say it's always raining in April and the other person has like an answer for you or whatever mm. and like every time that does happens in this movie, it's always something like. Who do you think will win in the Virginia Slims like tournament? And then he says, "I always bet against the heterosexual, in- <laughs> yeah, or something in the you tennis know? competition." Yeah, the tennis competition. <laughs> or it's like, like, like the first time Omar Sharif goes. Uh, can you name? Uh, can you name? Uh, a, a, what is it? A good. White basketball player, and then it's like there are oh, no good. <laughs> 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 like you know, that stuff that I don't know. The work says just be like that's banned. You know, they they wouldn't be into this, and that's why I think this this is an, another weapon for the woke. I really I'm, think I'm
1: not letting them get into this. This is this is a treasure to me. Well, it is
2: a treasure, and you know, <laughs> the only crimes I think, are, and they they don't like this. They don't like the first line that that um. Uh, Nick has. So Val Kilmer says like one of his first lines is like he says something in German and the guy says he says, I've been practicing my German and he says something in German the guy says and what was that? He says yeah, is your daughter...
1: Daughter 18. Daughter
2: 18. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys have said, these guys have said so basically he's saying can I fuck your daughter? <laughs> that's the way they talk, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's probably, you know, what gives it a similar... <laughs> Similar to um, <laughs> you know, I think that uh, it'll be it's low but um, significant enough, uh, <laughs> but I think that um, yeah, also that the things that maybe make it a little harder to do nowadays as well is, is our um, you know, people have said this, Malcolm Gladwell said this the other day on Megan Kelly's podcast. Uh, he said that, yeah, perhaps he was being slightly prestigious, but he's like, man, we kind of need the cold war back, you know, like. There was such a certainty with that when having that collective enemy of the Cold War, mm. and this movie is a movie that is not a postmodern movie. In that, uh, well, it's making fun of. It is a postmodern movie because it's meta in a way. But the things it's making fun of are very like the world that of 1984 is 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 much more morally certain than the world we live in today. Mm. You know, we're mm-hmm. not certain of anything now. We're like, we got, we got, um, we got an America that's going through some sort of moral crisis, where, you know, the, the the American flag is now a symbol of, of hatred or something. And then we've got, like, you know, there's no collective. Well, I think there will be a collective villain, and I think it'll be the CCB, <laughs> But until you know the NBA and everyone else can extricate themselves. From that, we can't make fun of it. Like the CCP are ripe for uh, mm. roasting yep. by, the, by these sorts of guys and we won't be able to do it until Hollywood and NBA and mm. everyone else gets their money out of uh,
0: Beijing. <laughs> you, you could reboot this movie with China trying to take over Taiwan again.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Chinese Taipei. Yeah. I and believe. could you
0: imagine the, the, the Oriental jokes you could, be, you oh. could put in here?
2: I love that you said Oriental. I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) I think uh, although it is an offensive word, I think I might, if I ever have to use it for some reason, I think I might say Oriental because I'll be like, they'll be like, what was it? And I'll be like, it was a bit Oriental. (laughs) Does sound important? (laughs) No? Absolutely. All right. Well. Probably should wrap it up. Uh, I think, um, are we, what do we think? Are we all agreed with this Me Too scale? Pretty low? Yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah, probably a one.
1: Yeah.
2: So there's nothing in there that the waiters would be like, oh, but you have, you know. There's
1: plenty.
0: Uh, but- I think <laughs> even one, I think even one star is enough to get a, a, an ultra-weight
2: person hot under the collar. <laughs> right. So, anyway, that's pretty low. What What
0: about
1: the anal intruder?
2: Oh, well, (laughs) I put that on Instagram. I wasn't sure people were going to be into that, but I think they are. (laughs) I think they um,
0: are. Oh, you should have seen uh, (laughs) my post about it on Instagram. I said I, oh, I, I, I don't think that. I don't think any Mamma Mia podcasts are going to road test this one.
2: I read that and I was I just hung my head. You know, I read that and I was like I thought we talked about this. Defeated. And then, you know, and it's like it's like you're all pointing your guns up up at the up at the people, you know, the terrorists at the top at the top floor and then one of your rookies just fires a bullet and you just go, "What? What happened?" So, anyway, no, it was funny. So, fuck them, my say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are, what are our final thoughts, AJ? What are your final thoughts of, of uh, Top Secret?
1: I'm broken with, <laughs> from laughter. I loved it.
2: Um, <laughs> Can
1: we talk about it next week? That's how much <laughs> I loved it.
2: <laughs> well, I think we should. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely plumb some more of their of the Ubra. Yeah. And uh, we'll check, check out more spoof stuff. Ricky, final thoughts? Oh, it's a, it's a comedy grenade.
0: Just jump on it and, and save yourself, save everyone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> save yourself, <laughs> save everyone. That's good. I can't top that. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I think everyone should just. Yeah, everyone needs to check it out. It's a it's a real treat, and um, yeah, I think just what we need. I mean, fuck it. I'm in lockdown, yeah. and maybe it, it was made you know even funnier. Like I was just like. You know, I, I put it on, and, and sometimes it's late, and you're like, "Fuck, I got to watch the movie." And then, I was just, I was enraptured. Uh, so yeah, a real treat. All right. Well, next week, look, we have to service uh, our fans here, and uh, and uh, we also need to do something for the ladies. So next week, we are we're doing Roadhouse. So I hope everyone's ready. Mm. Uh, to appreciate the Adonis that is Patrick Swayze,
1: Ooh. are we ready? I'm ready.
2: Great. Okay. Well, we're <laughs> going to switch. We're going to switch gears to some macho men for a little while, and um, and then come back to um, the titties, is what I'm saying. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, join us for the ride. Yeah. So join us for the ride. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. You know. I mean, what do we say? Uh, Ricky, we, we we said what we said, yeah. We said what we said. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh.